sat there listening to his lecture. In the church, it's called a homily or a sermon. In the synagogue, it's called a midrash, taking a text and uh, expounding on it. And I sat there, and I, I actually told Lori, he's Jewish. <laughs> his homily this morning, sermon, if you like, uh, was a rabbinical handling of the book of Acts chapter 2. You heard today what any Jewish synagogue would have heard if their rabbi had to explain Acts chapter 2. Uh, particularly when he said the me and we, how many heard that? Yeah. The Jews are not me-oriented, they're we-oriented. Even their personal sins affect yeah. the community. So they're very we-oriented, and if they weren't, there wouldn't be an Israel today. That's right. right. So uh, anyway, I just wanted to compliment him and correct some theology for you. Uh, we frequently hear the term, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1957 or 19-whatever. And that's totally biblically wrong. Uh, there is no was. It's I am being baptized. I want you to get that right when you leave here so that you sound properly to the people who are asking about why you're different. Uh, Lori, what's happened to you is going to come from her Methodist family. And she's not going to say, I was baptized at CBU. She's going to say what? I'm being baptized daily by the Holy Spirit. Now, so that you don't get it wrong, uh, I will ask three gentlemen with jackets on. Uh, the President of the United States is here today, so we'll have uh, President Bush come. Uh, George, this isn't George W. or George Herbert Walker. This is just George Bush of Black Mountain. And he has a jacket on, and then Gene has a jacket on, and the right Reverend uh, Jim Jackson has a jacket on. Now, I want you to see what it is. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a daily thing. I am being baptized. And the word, you shall receive power, you shall be endued with power, is simply this. You take off your jacket every night, you hang it up, and every morning you lavash. You redress and you put on your jacket. Here's what Jesus, and please forgive me for what I'm about to say, because I don't really mean it. I'm in this story, Jesus. And uh, I'm going to, please, George, take off your jacket and hand it to Jean. And Jean, you hand your jacket to Jim. And Jim, you hand your jacket to me. And then when we put on each other's jacket, you'll think that George is Carl. You'll think that Jean... Now I'm putting on someone else's jacket. Now I'm Jim. This is Jesus. 
So when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're clothed in his clothing. So that's what that's all about. And how many are grateful these men dress every day and don't come out buck naked? <laughs> Say it with me. I am clean. I am putting his clothes on every morning. So when I sit there and I prepare myself, today I want to be wrapped in Jesus' garments. Everybody said Now one more little thing off microphone. Just to help the editor. I said, 
Teresa, and we could have gone home as strangers were it not for the communal aspect of getting to know each other. So I'm going to ask you to do something so stupid that it fits my sense of humor. I still am confused whether a buck private can buy anything in a general store. <laughs> <laughs> you ever eat at a Waffle House? Right over the cash register, it says paychecks here. <laughs> In my mind, I just stand there and I wait. And they say, You paid your bill, sir, can you go home? I said, No, I'm waiting. And they say, What for? I said, My paycheck. <laughs> paychecks here. Anyway, that's. church, they all have you stand up, turn around, and shake hands with everybody. How many have heard that? Yeah. Yes. Well, here's my version of it, and you're going to do it, just so you can be stupid like me. Turn around and shake hands with everybody. Stand up, turn around, shake your hands. Turn in your Bibles <laughs> and those with thumb Bibles. These young people are going to be dug up by archaeologists 2,000 years from now and they're going to say, look, this generation had thumbs big as lobster claws. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, because it's critical 
when we study a text from the book of Acts that you understand the author. What drove the author, Luke, to write these words, you shall receive power as spoken by Jesus. Luke says in verse number one, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses. Luke was not an eyewitness, as were Peter, James, and John. He was in the entourage of the Apostle Paul, who was not an eyewitness, but was one who met Christ on the road to Damascus. Luke's not an eyewitness. But it seemed good to him to write another gospel. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you. He gained his perfect or mature understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ from the Apostle Paul. Luke is the product that is reflected in this room in June and in Tom and in Jim and in other speakers and you as well. We are third, fourth, fifth generation witnesses to what Jesus both did and taught. And I am grateful today to tell you the gospel has not diminished. I received it from faithful men and if you're Jewish, that means women as well. And I have passed it on to faithful men. How many are grateful that the pure gospel reached you? Amen. I mean, it had to travel a long ways geographically, culturally, and linguistically. But how many understand, thou shalt be born again, if you confess with your mouth, is very simple and still very clear. Thou shalt be saved. So it seemed good to me because I gained mature understanding of the things that were from the first. And I write to you, O lover of God, Theophilus. And in verse number four, we are told the author's heart. Luke's revealing his heart. Why does he write Luke? Why does he write the book of Acts? That you might know the certainty of those things. What Jesus did and what he taught. I'm writing to you so that you'll have the certainty of it. The reason why the Bible was written and not passed down verbally is because of the game we all play in a living room, parlor, game room of whispering a secret to the person next to you and by the time it goes full circle, it has nothing to do with the first statement. How many are grateful that the word of God was written to make a certainty of it into our hands? So folks, 
I come to you today as a basketball player in the state of Oregon that was gifted enough in that sport to be given a free education at three universities of my choice, either the University of Michigan to be a Spartan or to go to the University of Oregon and be a duck or to go to the University of Hawaii and be a loser. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> Where did that come in? Sorry. I hope nobody's from Hawaii. I'm referring only to their athletic teams. They never win. But I noticed the Super Bowl stars go there for the Pro Bowl. How many would like to just kind of live in Hawaii once in a while and just, and I mean for free, paid for. So obviously the two things, basketball and architecture, involve the use of my hands. Gifted in a sport that's really meaningless. Throwing an 18 inch, uh, excuse me, a nine inch ball through an 18 inch rim with string hanging on it hardly makes sense. Does anybody remember when you were young enough like me to dunk a basketball and now how many can't even touch the bottom of the net? Come on. <laughs> if you're standing on a chair even, you still can't. Age has caused the furniture disease to overtake me. My chest has fallen in my drawers. So this guy who uses his hands is called by God to be a witness to the certain things of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he called me with John 17. Your job is to bring unity to the body of Messiah. Now my first task was to get Pentecostals to talk to Baptists. That was nigh unto impossible. Then I wrote a book that the Holy Spirit didn't need. The book was titled, God is Charismatic. This was intended for my Baptist family who wanted the gifts of the Holy Spirit to have died when Paul breathed his last. What a stupid, but anyway, I wrote this book and before I could get it published, a bunch of Roman Catholics turned to one another and say, hold on, tell your neighbor, hold on. Roman Catholic students in Duquesne University in a Book of Acts Bible study began to speak with other tongues and called the bishops in South Bend, Indiana at a little tiny university named Notre Dame. Does anybody know about this university? And the Catholic Church looked into the canon and Bishop Suen, said it's okay. And before my book could change the world, the Holy Spirit launched the charismatic renewal. <laughs> and God said to me, I don't need you. Thanks for the effort. And I'm going to use somebody that you used to send to hell in the first carload. It's 
So my job then became not to just get Baptists to talk to Charismatics. It was to get Gentile Protestants to talk to Gentile Roman Catholics. So in 1986, I was the chair of a meeting that I asked Jim Jackson to assist, and he will remember these days. He came to the city of Charlotte. We used Dubbins Auditorium and the PTL campground, and Bishop of the Roman Catholic Church gave a dispensation to the Catholics of the Diocese of Charlotte, and we had communion together, Protestants. Do you remember this? This was an amazing thing. And again, the Holy Spirit did not need me because Pope John was coming on the scene. And this man was a tongue-talking, and even one of the tongues was English. <laughs> he went to Jerusalem in the year 2000 and apologized for one week to the Israelis for anti-Semitism for 2,000 years. I don't think I had any part of that. But folks, I'm telling you we are in the day when Jesus' prayer in John 17 is fixing to be answered. May they all be as we are one. That was the call on my life to be a witness. So my assignment has not been easy. Speaking to y'all is not easy. Because sitting in the room are Methodists, Baptists, Presbyterians, Catholics, heathen. That's a new word I've learned. That's different from a heathen. Heathen lives south of the Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> look around the room and see if you can see a heathen. Just kind of look around. How many are one? I conjugate I, B, U, B, we, B. <laughs> Bring unity to the body of Messiah. Then advanced to I want you to sit down and speak with the chief rabbis of Israel. So the last two years, I have become friends of chief rabbis in Israel, even helping Rabbi Malkior, the one that invited Pope John to Israel in 2000, in his new laws that he's passing in the Knesset for the return to the Shemitah laws of releasing debts and releasing the land. And he is begin, he's been given the portfolio of bringing peace to the Muslim Hamas and Hezbollah. If you can bring the Pope to Jerusalem, how about working now on Hezbollah and Hamas? And now we are friends. So folks, that calling has been lived out in my life. And our sermon today is, if you will put on the Holy Spirit every day, you will see results. Things are going to happen, and that's our sermon today. We're going to examine the book of Acts, not for the sermon, because the content is always Jesus. We're going to look at the book of Acts and take a look at the results so that you can go home driving in your car saying, I can expect similar results. There's nothing worse than coming to a conference and saying amen and forgetting everything you've done. We are giving you homework. And we're going to expect not next year to come back and hear me speak, but to spend a whole hour listening to what God has done. Amen. 
since this day till next year, how many would like to just take a whole evening, one after another, to do the old-timey, that's Southern, thing of testifying? Anybody remember testimony meeting? <laughs> Giving praise and glory. We were baptized, we witnessed, and this is what happened. Anybody with me? The second call on my life was Ephesians chapter 4, and it says in verse number 11 that my job, along with the other clergy, is to help equip you for your ministry. This is not about my ministry. It's about your ministry. I'm here only as a servant boy carrying a bucket of water to serve you and find out how you can learn enough to go out and be in the ministry. So I'm the servant. I'm the foot washer. All of y'all are the ministers. You got that right? So that's why I have a worldwide Bible college that has over a million students now in all continents of the world, training people and releasing them for their own ministry. Now, when God called me, he said these words to me. I want your hands. I want to use your hands in ministry. Now, I'm old enough not to even know Catherine Kuhlman yet, but her predecessor was a lady named Amy Semple McPherson. Catherine Kuhlman learned it all from her. Amy Semple McPherson was the greatest theatrical actress this world has ever known, according to Sarah Bernhardt, the actress. When she preached... She filled auditoriums all over the world. She would drive a Harley Davidson motorcycle down the aisle, dressed as a police officer, shut the thing off and stand up and say, Stop! I arrest you in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, Tom, I don't want any ideas of that. I'm not going to hear that, I hope, in, in Scotland. They would be shocked. There, you'd have to write a BSA or an Enfield, but, in, but here it's a Harley, and every man said, anyway, if you want to see the body scars, you're welcome. So I'm a Pentecostal by then. My mother was Catholic. Then my father was Southern Baptist, and the divorce, he remarried a Pentecostal. That's why I'm a Catholic Baptocostal. I go to a Pentecostal church, and laying on of hands means what? Who can tell me? In a Pentecostal church, God's saying, I want you to lay your hands on. What's the assumption my ministry is going to be? Divine healing, laying hands on people. So off to Bible college I go to replace Billy Graham, <laughs> who was then aging. He was 35. That's why I named my ministry like his, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, Carl Koch Evangelistic Association. And I never did lay hands on the sick much. I prayed for some folks and they died. <laughs> Until just a few months ago, sitting in the basement of my house, typing on a computer, all of the thoughts the Holy Spirit was putting in my brain to transfer them to a hard drive to be printed out 
either in paper or in CD or DVD or whatever, BVDs, I don't know anything I'm talking about. Now I'm sending stuff to the cloud, don't know what that is. <laughs> but what was the medium of the last 55 years of ministry? Everything passed through my what? You may not understand this weekend what you're about to become or do or how to witness. And you might hear things like your canoes in the river still. And he had just said he's beached his canoe to his board of directors. And the Holy Spirit heard that board meeting and spoke through the prophet Gene and said, No, your canoe's still floating. Get your paddle. 73 is seven years short of your education being over. I didn't use Moses till he turned 80. Now let's say something Jewish. It's actually Yiddish, not Hebrew. Let's say it. Oy vey. If you're Norwegian, it's like saying ufta. Ufta is said when you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, open-faced, and it falls on the ground. It will always fall jelly-side down. <laughs> and when that happens, you say ufta. But if you're Jewish, you say oive. So Jim last night going to bed, he didn't go to bed. He ran to bed. He couldn't wait to see if there were any leaks in his eyelids, to see if there was any light coming in. He jumps into bed, and his last words, we are recording this now, oy vey, my canoe is still in the stream. <laughs> I want you to be like the author of the book of Acts. I want you to understand that when he wrote the Gospel of Luke and he told us in verse 1 of Luke chapter 1 to declare those things which are most surely believed in us. Let's make it modern English. I've been told this weekend to contextualize it. What should I witness? The basics. The things we are most certain of. I don't know if you get excited, but I do. So as I say these things, get a little more excited. I want to hear back from you. Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus came from heaven as God becoming man. His name is Emmanuel. He died on the cross. He shed his blood for my sins. He took my place. He was buried sinless, but on the third day. You getting excited yet? He resurrected, and he now sits at the right hand of the Father, daily interceding on my behalf. Things that we are most certain about, that's what you testify about. You do not need to graduate, as did I, from seven schools, three seminaries, and get my absolute honor of kuma some lucky. You don't have to do that. Trust me, everyone in this room is capable of witnessing to the things that Jesus did and taught in such clarity that children can understand you. Never use the excuse now 
I just don't know enough. You've been empowered by the author of this book to speak the things most certain. Please get excited. Give God a praise offering. One more thing into the mind of the writer. Turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Sometimes we overlook the obvious. Sometimes we overlook the obvious. Luke says, the former treatise, the book of Luke, so put that in your Bible. Luke, I wrote to you, O lovers of God, of all that Jesus, say it with me, began both to do and teach. That's why you put your coat on every day. That's why you're baptized every day in the Holy Spirit. Jesus began it, saints of God, and it's continuing on today with the same power and clarity as it did when Jesus hung on the cross. That message, visibly to the audience of his mother and some of his followers, is as clear today to the first time a person hears it. Jesus began it. How many want to be there with him at the finish line? Oh, folks, we look at the Bible strangely. It's a book that's so hard to understand. But I want to tell you what is so obvious. What is the New Testament? The letters from the people in the book of Acts who were baptized in the Holy Spirit to go witness and it records their witness, and you heard it clearly by Tom this morning that the first three chapters of Ephesians are the witness, and the last three chapters are the results. What is the New Testament? It's not new. You don't throw away the old. It's these people baptized in the Holy Spirit who only had the Old Testament. And when they read it, the Holy Spirit revealed Jesus from Genesis to Malachi. And they wrote it down in Ephesians and Romans and Matthew and Revelation and made it more clear. Can you say praise God for these men who made it clear enough for us? You don't throw away the roots of a cherry tree after you eat the cherries. How many want some next year? Well, those that have been grafted in and drawing nutrition from the roots, stop hacking off the roots. I don't know if that's understandable to you or not. I have to calm down. I might become that Pentecostal. Let's say this book properly. It's not the book of Acts. Stop saying that. What is this book? The Acts of the Apostles. What is their act? To go witness and see God's results. 
This is not the book of Acts. This is the Acts of the Apostles. Now say apostle with me in English. Apostle. apostle. Say it with me in Greek. Apostello. apostello. Now say it to me in Hebrew. Shilach. You know Shilach because of the pool of Shilom. Shilach. What did they do? They sent water from the spring underground to a, a container to send. As I have been sent, so send I. Who are you? You're all apostello, Shilach. You are all ones empowered by the Holy Spirit and sent to the world to bear witness to what Jesus did and taught. Now, is that simple enough? When I hold the Bible up or when you hold it in your hands, you are holding the written witnessing of Paul, John, James about Jesus. So our first slide today is the power of the Holy Spirit is released through witnessing. You can call it the New Testament if you prefer, but a better reference to it is the apostolic writing. The apostolic writings, they recorded what they did to witness about Jesus and the results that came. The power of the Holy Spirit is released through witnessing. And I'm telling you this for a reason. If you leave this meeting with chill bumps and that is your end, the power of the Holy Spirit will not be released in your life. If you go home anticipating that in future days you will speak in other tongues privately, and that is the evidence that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will decline in your power. But if you leave here with a proper instruction, to go out and do something with what's happened here this week and start simply as June led you simply last night into glossolalia. Please don't use non-biblical terms. It's not a prayer language. It is glossolalia. It's tongues. And you start to speak in another tongue. Somebody is going to hear you that lives in Greece, and somebody's going to hear you that lives in North Africa, and what they're going to hear is not your tongue. They're going to hear Jesus died, was buried, resurrected, and ascended on high. They're going to hear the witness of your gospel. And that's what happened in the book of Acts. In no matter what language they spoke in the upper room, the people who heard it heard about Jesus Christ. So you're released and given authority by Jim and Tom Jackson to go out and bear witness to what Jesus did and what he taught. Can you give God another praise on Now I ask you a question because you are not going to ask it unless I ask it for you. Dr. Carl, what can I expect when I leave here? If I do go witness, and it's a very naive beginning and not so well organized, but if I just talk about Jesus, what can I expect? How many think that's a fair question? That's what the book of Acts is all about. So I'm glad you asked the question. In the book of Acts, we should find results of Holy Spirit power coming upon witnesses 
according to Christ's command in the commission of Matthew 28. What is the commission? Number one, it is to go. So on the benediction, you're going to go, not home, you're going to go into the uttermost parts of this world. You got it? This is not some sacrosanct thing. You're just going to go. Witnessing is just as you live it out. As you go, witness. Mexican food crowd, please raise your hand. Soul food crowd. Mashed potatoes, gravy, corn, beef. As you go to those restaurants, what? So the commission is, as I went and shared and did, is as you go, share and do. Secondly, what can you be planning? To teach all nations. Everybody looks at this and says, I cannot go to the Philippines uh, June, not Sam June, June, said she's not going to India. She said it kindly. But for her to teach the Indians is not on her radar yet. And I kind of chuckled when I heard her say that she was not going. How many, how many know the Lord heard that? Now it's too late to get Cheetos. Too late to get Cheetos. <laughs> Teach all nations. And now we say, okay, we'll send Tom, and I get to go to Scotland by putting money in the offering plate. That's how I get to go. No. The Lord said, I'm tired of that. You won't go to Scotland on your own? I'll bring the Scots to America. How many have noticed the population in the United States is now made up of all of the people we would not go and evangelize. They're all here. I don't know about you, but I said to Lori when we landed at Kennedy, oh, God, thank you for being back in America. We can hear English. And the first person I meet says, bienvenidos. <laughs> Welcome. Jeez. Anyway, does anybody here? Habla espanol. Mi Spanish muy mal porque muy lento en la cabeza. The reason I don't speak a lot of Spanish is I'm too slow in my head. How many like the translation better than the Spanish? Teach all nations. Timothy program is in all continents of the earth. Do you see where we're headed with this? A simple little task of following the Holy Spirit to write a Bible college curriculum for one member of my church in Lubbock, Texas, is now being broadcast all over the world. Amen. I want you to speak Tamil here today. Tamil is the language of South India. The state of Tamil Nadu speaks Tamil. They don't say praise God. They say Stoti Ram. Stoti Ram. Try it. Stoti Ram. So now when you hear something in my sermon, I don't want to hear praise God. I want to hear what? Stoti Ram. Praise God in Tamil. It means exactly the same thing. So let's hear it one more time. Yeah, go home and you see I now have mastered Tamil. 
What are we supposed to do when we teach all these people? Well, if you teach what Jesus did and taught, they'll get saved. And everybody said amen. So the next thing in the order is to do what? Baptize. You talk about tough doing church together. Well, do we sprinkle or do we dunk? Do we use sand as is used in the church in Saudi Arabia or do we use water? It was so dry in West Texas. This is where I taught you to say how dry was it. It was so dry in West Texas. The Baptists were sprinkling. The Methodists were giving out rain checks. And the Catholics turned the wine back into water. That's my joke and I'm staying with it. Baptize is not necessarily the means or mode because it says the Jews were baptized in the cloud, sprinkling, and in the sea, immersion. So, hello. So we are taught that water baptism is the answer of a man's conscience to God. Father, you told me to do this. My conscience is clean now because I have believed that Jesus died, buried, and resurrected for me, and now I want to follow him, and I want to obey his command. So folks, turn to your neighbor and just look them straight in the eye and say, are you a Methodist? I want you to, I want you to ask them. Because they've probably been sprinkled. Now just announce to them that you're a Baptist. Just turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a Baptist. I've been dunked. You ought to see me at the Jordan River when I have both groups present and they come to this baptismal site. Jim, you've done this a thousand times. Now we come to the fourth thing of the commission. We go, we teach, we baptize, and we what? We make disciples. Not converts. We make disciples. We make students. Disciple. Anglit, the English word disciple in Hebrew is the word student. Talmid, student. We call them disciples, but in Hebrew that word disciple, these were the 12 students of Jesus. They walked with him and they learned as they went. They homeschooled. The University of Jesus was a homeschool. How am I going to do all this? Go, teach, baptize, and disciple. Let's read it again, Acts 1.8. Everybody, here's how you're going to do it. Acts 1.8, you shall When? Comes upon you what? Daily. And when you do that daily, you shall be what? So we're going to... Study, you shall receive power. We'll put that up for you now, and we'll all read it together. This is the Greek text, translated, you shall receive power. How many would prefer the English? Just raise your hand. So we'll put the English up. You shall receive power. You shall receive is one Greek word, and we're going to put it up. There it is. L E. P-S-I-E-S-T-H-E. This is you shall receive. Now let's take a look at this one. 
you shall receive. This gets really technical, but it gets exciting. And the first Pentecostal who's over the age of 90 that gets loose, we're just going to let her go. <laughs> it's hinted at in English. You shall receive. How many see the future tense develop? It's written in the second person. You. It's plural. You all. Future tense. You all shall in the future. The moment you leave here is your future. When you leave this door, you are entering your future. Can you get excited? Amen. You shall Amen. receive indicative. Oh, I love people who use these words. It's actually going to happen. Can you give God a hand clap? Amen. It's actually going to happen. And it comes from this root, lambano, which means you shall take on yourself and be sustained, and you shall seize upon his power. His power will sustain you as you witness. This is not done based on how you feel daily. When you get baptized daily, you can count on, oh, folks, that you will be sustained in your witness. You might say things that you will be embarrassed at later. Did I say it right? I got news for you. I've preached on salvation and people in the room got healed. Whatever you do with your gums and lips and mouth and teeth to make words has nothing to do with the word of God released into the airwaves and into the ears and hearts of people that need Jesus. How many think the Holy Spirit could make a real clear statement out of your bungled mess? Nobody has an excuse. You shall receive. Now we're going to look at the word power. You shall receive power. Dunamis. Dunamis. Power. Dynamite. Authority. You'll speak better than you know. With his jacket on, you can say to those people on the island of Luzon, you've been set free from Japanese occupation and not a person on the beach will understand you because they speak Tagalog. But as Doug, Doug MacArthur stood there with his five-star uniform on announcing the liberation of the Philippines, he didn't have his clothes on. He was wearing Harry Truman's clothes. You call him a military thing. On his epaulets and on his hat with scrambled eggs, all these five-star things were really saying, I'm here in the dress of the President of the United States, and I'm here to give you news, and if you don't understand, standing here beside me is a translator. Oh, folks. <laughs> You're wearing Jesus' clothes, and you got the Holy Spirit standing beside you, translating what you're saying, into the needs and the hearts of the people that are listening. How many think I'm a little fanatical about the Bible? <laughs> Acts 1.8 says, You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be a witness. Shall be a witness. You shall receive power. It's actually going to happen. 
And that power is going to release you to witness. But I want you to be consistent with Christ's commission. Christ's commission, according to Matthew, was what? Don't witness about you. Don't witness about your church. Don't witness about other things. Witness about what? Me. Tell people about what Jesus did and what he said. Now, here's a little clue. You can tell people what Jesus has done in your life. That's a valid witness. Now, we're here for the Barney Fife, those that don't know what I've just said. The Barney Fife Coupe de Grasse. <laughs> Anybody know Andy of Mayberry? Barney Fife succeeded because he was the idiot during the show. But he's the only one in the cast that didn't know it. That's why that show worked. He would speak French. And instead of saying, c'est la vie, he would say, c'est la vie, Vange, c'est la vie. So instead of saying coup de gras, the end of the party, the end, he would say coup de gras. That's southern French. We need to see the results of powered, empowered, Holy Spirit baptized witnesses, whether they be fishermen like Peter or attorneys like Paul, or businessmen like Paul, or whether they be intelligent like Jacobus, who was so great, James, we call him in the New Testament. This room represents every walk of life and every educational life, uh, level. Those that have graduated from the third grade, please proudly raise your hand. I want to see, because the happiest three years of my life was the third grade. I couldn't go to the fourth. My father was in the fourth grade, so they wouldn't let me they wouldn't let me pass my own father. I was in the third grade so long I fell in love with a school teacher. I asked her to marry me and she said we can't because of the difference in age. And I was twenty years older than her. Anyway. Tell me when you've had enough of these because how many think that there are results in the book of Acts? Yes. The Acts of the Apostles. Peter's first witness. You find it recorded in Acts chapter 1. And when you go home and read Acts 1, 15 through 22, his witness is all about Jesus. What happened? What were the results? Well, they're recorded right after in verses 23 through 26. He witnessed and he got results. Now what were the results? His first witness about what Jesus did and taught was not raising the dead. His first result was the replacing of Judas Iscariot with this guy Matthias. Now, the scripture uses words in English that mislead us. There are two separate words for the word lots in the Bible. We see the Roman soldiers casting lots, gambling. 
but we see them casting lots. But look at this by prayer. The word lots is the word in the Old Testament, urim and tumim. The high priest had a breast pocket, and he had the urim and the tumim in his breast pocket, and he was required by God to make decisions for the 12 tribes. And the decisions that he made should be from God and not impact other people. Oh, God, give us such a government. It would make decisions for one group that don't impact another. Can you say amen? amen? So in order to actually make those choices, they cast lots. What is that? They went to prayer, as did Samuel about King Saul and in other passages. And it says they cast lots in the Old Testament. It means they got God's word on the subject and then carried out God's word. The Urim and Thummim have never been described in the Bible, nor will they be. But when godly people set about to make decisions concerning the church, they seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then their decisions come from God alone. So what's the result of His first witness? Replacing an apostle. Now what's Peter's second witness? You find it recorded in Acts chapter 2 which was brilliantly exposed today by Tom. The witness was all about Jesus. You can read about it, but the results are there. Acts 2, 37 through 47. What were the results of his first witness? Somebody get excited sometime this morning, please. <laughs> How would you like to stand up and preach to Jews from all over the world who have been dispersed and not speaking Hebrew anymore. They're speaking other languages because of where they live. And you got Jews from all over the world honoring Deuteronomy 16, 16 to come to Jerusalem during Passover. And Peter, who speaks Hebrew like I do, with an accent, his is Galilean, mine is American. One sermon, one witness, quoting what Jesus did and taught. 3,000 people get saved. 3,000 people get baptized. Can you imagine in your local church this coming week, 3,000 brand new, born again, authentic, baptismal candidates? Can you get excited? Then it says, as Tom revealed, those 3,000 were discipled in what? Doctrine, fellowship, breaking bread, prayer. And then what happened? What were the results of a discipled, baptized, fellowshipping, praying church? What happened? Wonders and signs began. And then something we all don't see today, they were unified. How many like to see unity in the body of Christ? The third witness of Peter is recorded in Acts 3, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to ask someone to stand and read the key verse. Verse number 6. Acts 3, 6. This is Peter's recorded third witness of what Jesus did and taught. Somebody rise with a good voice and read Acts 3, 6.
What a short witness. This isn't a three-point sermon with the dog story. We were taught in seminary. If your point in the sermon is weak, just yell louder, and the people will think it's important. <laughs> but when you've done the three points, tell them about old Chef. Nobody knew that guy just said. How many know about old Chef? The dog, the dive, and all that. Does anybody know about old Chef? You get an emotional story going, and people come to an altar. Three points, the dog story, and the altar. Really, you don't need that. You just meet somebody who's ill, and you say to them, I don't have a lot of this earthly goods, but what I have, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give you Jesus. Hallelujah. And in the name of Jesus, what happened to this man? Oh, folks, you're carrying around a loaded cannon. There's enough people in this room to empty Forsyth Hospital. You don't know where that is. Tyrus, tell them where it is. Winston-Salem. Home of the R.J.R. Reynolds family. Who took a little Bible college in Wake, North Carolina and moved part of it to Winston-Salem. It's now called Wake Forest University. Where the chapel is now the home church of a gay lesbian congregation. Interesting. I just find those things interesting, little bit of tidbit. I also know that Jack Bailey was the first host of Queen for a Day. I don't know that either point is important. How many don't even know what Queen for a Day is? Does anybody in here know the TV program Queen for a Day? It was a television contest between two women who could tell the saddest story possible. And the worst story got them a washer and a dryer. Anyway, what were the results of one little sentence passing by a complete stranger? What were the results? He was healed. The lame man was healed. But you say, wow, I'm going to start the Peter Evangelistic Association, and we're going to bill ourselves as the healing ministry. Because the lame man got healed. Hold on. That's just result number one. What actually happened is in result number two. What happened when the man got healed? The crowd gathered. When we start seeing people healed at our simple statement of Jesus Christ, you're going to call a crowd. This world, as culturally shocked as they are, will stop instantly when God reveals himself when these signs follow them that believe. You can say it in Japanese if you would like to. Everybody say, Hallelujah. Try it. That's Japanese for hallelujah. Oh, I'm pretty good at this stuff. How many want to sing happy birthday in Hebrew? Anybody having a birthday today? Raise your hand. Let's all sing happy birthday to them in Hebrew. Everybody ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. You can say it. He ain't what? 
My mom's like that. Well, there's a fourth witness found in Acts chapter 3. Go home and read it. It's all about Jesus. But the results are powerful. What were the results of the fourth witness of Peter? Let's go oive. We've just gone from thousands getting saved, people being healed, crowds gathering, and you go out and witness and you get thrown in the pokey. What a great result. Thank you, Carl. Folks, I'm telling you, if you go out into this world and you talk about Jesus, you are going to offend the religious crowd. You're not going to offend the barkeeps. You're not going to offend the brothel owners. You are going to offend the religious community. A friend of mine came my secretary of my ministry, was Methodist. She got born again inside of a Methodist church. She came to the church, asked the pastor for a time in the service to testify about what Jesus had done in her life, and his report to her was, we don't do that here, go down to the street, that's Baptist. Pentecostal woman wandered into a Baptist church. She's used to raising her hands, so she's raising her hands. pastor would preach, she'd say, praise God, hallelujah. Deacon sent down the aisle and said, ma'am, we don't do that here. She says, I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend, but I'm so full of joy. And he says, well, you didn't get that here. Anyway. <laughs> Are you still with me? Yes. Jailed for witnessing? When you think your witness has gone south on you, when it's not working, hang on. God's going to turn that thing around and you're going to see a different result. Yes, you got jailed, but as the result of your being jailed, of you being misunderstood, evil spoken of you, guess what happened? 5,000 people came to Christ. How many are willing to suffer for the sake of the kingdom? Every time I do something, I get distance from fellow ministers. I'll never forget what happened when I dared to preach at the Sahara Hotel in Las Vegas with Ken Copeland and others of the Word of Faith movement. There was a Baptist pastor's wife who was very popular then named Marilyn Hickey. And uh, others came, and I'm not from that stream. I like that word because I used to say camp. I'm not from that camp. But I wasn't flowing in that stream, so all the people in my stream abandoned me when I dared to identify with these people. You think that was trouble? Wait till you hear when Dr. Carl goes to Jerusalem and starts talking with Jewish rabbis. Guilt by association is the number one disease inside the church. Vincent Sinan and I were standing on the platform at the event Jim did for us at the Ovens Auditorium in Charlotte, and there was Herb Murley, Lutheran. There was Percy Burns, Presbyterian. Please name some of the others. They were all of the denominations, the Bishop, Bishop Bailey from the Catholic Church, and the praise and worship's going. And June, I'm telling you the truth, it was Hava and Adila and dancing, and these guys swirling around in their robes, and there's two Pentecostals on the platform staring at each other. And I said, Vincent? Notice something? We're the only ones not dancing. 
Because in the Pentecostal church, that was right straight from hell. Never mind it's biblical. It's not Pentecostal. Unless you do the foxtrot in the aisle. <laughs> and jump the pew. You understand? <laughs> Guilt by association. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't bother me. Just tell him. Put him on notice. But when you witness, you will bother folks. But keep on with it because there's 5,000 people that are grateful that Peter got jailed. Without that witness, where would those 5,000 souls be? I don't know if you get excited. The fifth witness is beautiful. He's in jail and he's questioned by the mucky mucks who put him there. And their only complaint is, will you please stop preaching about Jesus? Stop witnessing. And Peter looks right at him and witnesses. You're asking me to do something that is so normal? I got the Holy Spirit all over me and all I can do is talk about Jesus. I'm sorry, I can't stop. Jim, how would you like to have everybody that's passed through the registration of CBU under you and Dr. Tom's ministries wind up in a room somewhere full of the Holy Spirit and turn them loose in Charlotte? They'd be jailed. Sue Myrick, the mayor of Charlotte, was at that meeting that you hosted for us. She was supposed to sit beside me and couldn't because Jim Baker sat beside me. I'd invited Jim and Tammy to come, and they sat right beside me, and the mayor's seat was taken. And politically, this was disaster. She couldn't be seen in a photograph sitting next to. She was running for re-election. She's now our Congress lady. She's the only mayor I've ever kissed. <laughs> Stop teaching about Jesus. I can't. What was the result of that witness? I hope you're getting some excitement. What was this? Stop talking about Jesus. Peter was told not to do it anymore. So what did Peter do? He witnessed. And you find his sixth witness in Acts 4, 19 and 20. His sixth witness. What were the results? I can't do anything but preach. What happened? His sixth witness got him released from jail. We think in those circumstances, if he had stopped witnessing, they'd let him go. <laughs> Folks, that's how we think. Denominational leader, Dr. Carl, please don't do that. Baptists don't see it exactly as we do. Okay. I'll be a team player. What, what's, it, what's it called?